Hey, I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and lifestyle fulfillment coach, which means I've dedicated my entire life to helping anyone who feels like they're not making the most of their potential to level up and live the extraordinary life of their dreams. You deserve to be the king or queen of your own kingdom, and I'll be alongside to help you be the best version that you can be. I'm psyched that you're here, so let's get to it. What's up? It's Johnny King, and thank you, as always, for listening to another episode. And I want to chat about today the life cycle of intimate relationships, because if you are a fan of personal development, uh, personal growth, whatever you want to refer to it, you will eventually come across the fact that there are life cycles. Obviously, we have a life cycle as a human being, right? Uh, conception to birth to uh, being an infant, you know, adolescent, adult, and then later age, and then death, right? Yes. So there's that, there is that life cycle. Businesses oftentimes have a life cycle, right? Uh, As do relationships, okay? As do even like the course of maybe you, you get hurt, Okay, or you have surgery, you have surgery on your knee, there is a life cycle to getting yourself back to 100% uh, through rehabilitation, but uh, not everyone makes their way through every single cycle. So I'd like to jump into the life cycle of an intimate relationship because this is where I truly believe all the juice is in life. And so Better to really get this figured out. Otherwise, you could be successful in all of the areas of your life. But if you end up uh, not figuring this area of your life out, it can be extremely costly, both financially, emotionally, physically. Um, you could lose a lot. And so that's why it's so important. So let's jump right into it. Um, that very first thing that happens, obviously, <laughs> at the beginning of an intimate relationship is, is you meet right? There's that moment of attraction. Um, and, and this is oftentimes where there's some form of, of physical or romantic or emotional attraction that's triggered. Okay. Um, and so the, the, what's being played into this whole thing is that there's usually some sort of risk. Okay. There's risk of either rejection or success. If I'm looking at a a beautiful woman across the bar, (laughs) How infrequently did this happen in my lifetime? Very much, because I'm not a huge drinker. But let's just let's just play with it. I see her across the bar. I walk around. I say hi. But but what's going through my mind is like, am I going to be able to succeed in getting to know her, or am I going to fail? Right. A lot of guys, myself included, w- have gone through those those fearful moments of like not even attempting to pick up on someone because you're scared of failure. Well, you have to get over that, right? So beyond that, usually once you meet and let's say there is (laughs) success there and you decide to switch numbers, um, there's very little expectations at this this first kind of moment of attraction, okay? There's just hope. Well, I hope to meet you, you know, for coffee. I hope there's another meeting here, right? Um, And so the, the level of stability, um, of, of certainty, <clears throat> excuse me, is very, very low. Okay. The next, let's say step, if you will, in the life cycle of an intimate relationship is, is where the flirting really starts to kick in. Okay. 
I love I love flirting. <laughs> I love flirting. I love teasing. I just love the 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 and the energy of it. Okay. So this second phase of flirting, that's that's really where the energy is exchanged. Okay. Women often get attention and feel desired, whereas men get energy and acceptance and admiration from from the other person. Okay. And so um, it's interesting because a lot of times at this point. There can be some flirting, and women can women have a, a unique way of still being able to maintain a a, a friendship, uh, oftentimes. But men, on the other hand, have a very challenging time in doing this. They they find it a lot more difficult uh, to maintain just that friend zone if flirting is involved. Okay, so the moment of attraction, stage one. Stage two is flirting. Stage three is kind of like the early dating or courtship. Okay, um, and this is where you begin to kind of test things. <laughs> you start comparing your values and what do you desire out of life and what do you believe and what, what, what do you want to achieve in life? What are your goals, right? Um, and still yet, there's very few expectations of each other because you're just getting to know each other. It's just dating, right? Courtship, as they call it. <laughs> um, and so... At this point too, there's there's no exclusivity. There's there's one or both people may still be dating other people. <clears throat> and so I remember many years ago, many, many years ago, I I just would get into this habit of like, okay, I, I like, you know, I'm into this particular person and I'm all in. Like I wanna see where this goes. I'm excited about her. And one of my buddies was like, Man, you gotta keep dating. You're putting all your eggs in this basket and you're and you're kind of overwhelming yourself. Um, because you, you're making her out to be everything. Like it's, it's all or nothing. It's like, you're all in (laughs) putting it all on, on black. Right. And you're spinning that roulette table, um, or that wheel. And so he's like, you know what, until you guys are, have that, that conversation that you're exclusive, mutually exclusive, then keep dating other people. There's nothing wrong with it. There's plenty of fish in the sea. I'm like, you know what? It's right. And it's interesting how that allowed me to kind of lower, my energy and my anxiety about like, oh, this is the one, again, in, in some of the, those immature moments. But I think that's that's the, the key is that you, you, you can continue to still be dating other people while you're in that early dating and courtship phase, okay? Because <clears throat> the next stage after that is full-fledged dating. There's passion there. It's almost kind of like the teenage fantasy point, if you will, okay? Um, and this is where that attraction... Um, and and even like that attraction that's starting to toe the line of like a falling in love, it it has started, okay? Um, but there's very few rules, you know? There, there's still a lot of freedom. There's a lot of flexibility, very little control. You don't know what they're doing when they're not with you. They don't know, like, you're into them. This is, this is like the scary point, right? Where it's like, it's super exciting, um, because you, you know that you both like each other, but you also don't know how much, like, are you a lot more invested emotionally as, as they are or, or what's going on? Right. So that's why I say there's very little control cause it's, it's scary. And so there's, I guess, enough certainty and confidence, um, that you can feel safe to be open with the other person, but there's not enough um, uncertainty and variety to make it feel 
well, I should say that there isn't enough, that, they, that there is enough uncertainty and variety to still make it exciting. Okay, so this is, like I said, the most exciting. It's the double-edged sword. It's the most exciting time, but it can also be extremely scary. Okay, so yes, a little bit of certainty has increased because you're like, okay, I know that she's into me and I'm into her, uh, you know, or again, in gay relationships, he's into he, you know, you know, you know, I'm getting right. Um, getting that the, this is the first big change though of this phase is where there's real experiences of certainty and stability in the sense of like, okay, you're invested in me. I'm invested in you. I'm looking forward to seeing you again, you know? So it's not like, do you, do you want to go out again? It's like, no, we're going to go out again. Um, and so that's, that's the, that's the fun phase of the, the young kind of teenage, um, full-fledged dating stage. Okay. Stage five here is going to be where you actually get into like the young love. Okay. It's the first steps to a mature love, but it's still, it's still very much, uh, developing. Okay. So it's, it's where two people will agree, um, kind of like where they value each other most. Okay. It's where they, uh, they agree to, to value uh, each other, but also what they value together as, as a partnership. Okay. It's kind of where they figure out like, here's the, the rules uh, of the game, so to speak. And so this is, uh, you know, there's typically a greater focus at this point on discovering each other's real needs and this is, you know, I don't typically waste, especially the older I get, like I don't waste a whole lot of time. That's why the five love languages, as I've talked about in, in previous podcasts, are so important because you can very quickly get to their needs and, and be clear about what they are, okay? Um, but this is also where you start to make decisions together, you know? And you're like, hey, you know, I, I want to take you to this concert, or you know, or let's let's go do these things together, start making some, some plans. And, th- and this is where there's a shift from like individual thought to more about like identity as a couple, you know, like, Oh, I'd love to do that. But let me, let me uh, see what she's up to that weekend. And we would love to join you if we could. Right. So there's more of the, the decision-making together. Um, and there's more of that identity on you guys being a couple versus being an individual. Okay. So you start actually thinking about the future together and that can be super exciting. Right. Um, and this is also where the nicknames kind of get started, you know, um, whatever those, you know, we, we tend to always have those names of endearment for someone special. And that's where this starts to pop up in that kind of young love stage and, and part of the, the life cycle of the intimate relationship. Um, and, yeah, like I said, plans are being made as a couple. Like we will be there together and people start inviting you guys like, hey, we'd love to have you guys come join us or come to this party, whatnot. Like, sure, we'll we'll be there. We will be there, right? Versus I will be there. So that's where you really start to kind of notice that your identity is shifting more into that couple mindset versus that individual mindset. The The top, the top of the life cycle, okay, is where it's that area of mutual devotion, okay? It's, it's where there's a, a fair amount of flexibility um, around expectations and sensuality and 
And there's still very few rules about how to be with each other. You just know that you can be totally natural. You can be, you know, I think a lot of people I've heard that saying like, I know I'm with someone special when I know I can be myself around them. Okay. So there's, there's very little rules of like, well, I have to be this way or I have to be that way. Like this is where the devotion really kicks in because you know, you can be 100% yourself. Um, And there's that balance between uh, like the flexibility of love and also like the need for control, control and, and like various rules in how you guys interact with each other. Okay. Um, and I've talked about it, this in the sense of there's that polarity there, the masculine and the feminine, as well as the light and the dark, that all those things are fully alive and vibrant in the relationship. And that's where I feel like a lot of that flirting has to continue to keep the energy transference going. Okay. So, there's, there's typically at this point where there's devotion, you guys are lockstep. There's like, there's a mutual understanding that, uh, your values and beliefs are on the same page spiritually, uh, in regards to finances and future goals, where you see your lives going together, parenting, all those things that you might want to talk about. You've had those conversations. Okay. This is where the, the rubber meets the road really. <clears throat> there's a, a huge amount of, devotion, but there's also still a lot of <laughs> innovation and marketing going on. You know, like you're not just taking it for granted. Um, you're still coming up with new ideas of, you know, fun new vacations or things to surprise them with or, or go on, you know, surprise date uh, date nights or you're doing little things to keep expressing your love for them, right? You're still kind of, <laughs> like I said, you're still marketing yourself um, saying, you know, I want to be relevant in your life and you're amazing and appreciated in my life, you know? So, you know, the devotion phase of the, of the intimate relationship now is where there's more trust and respect that goes way beyond the, the moment or the issue at hand or whatever activity you're doing. There really is like a a sense of commitment and loyalty. Okay. Now, beyond that, kind of do- towards the, the, as things start to decline a little bit, this, I mean, that devotion phase is where ultimately we would all love to be. That's where the, the love and the passion thrives. And, and I have seen it in couples in their 80s and 90s that they've always had it. They just were, were dialed in and they, they knew what they needed to do. And as I've said before, like if you, if you were to do what you did in the beginning, <laughs> and continue to doing that throughout the rest of, of your lifetime and sharing that with someone, then you very well may not have lost the passion. But if you feel like you kind of lost the passion, this is where it starts to go downhill a little bit and why it's very easy to start taking them for granted and we start to lose that that energy. And so the next phase after devotion is like the midlife evaluation, okay? Your focus goes less from like innovating and marketing and wanting to to do all these fun things for them. And you got to actually start kind of focusing more on maintaining. Okay. If there's kids being put into the, into the, the scene, it can be very challenging not to slip into a maintenance uh, phase, if you will. Okay. So there's, there's typically less energy being put into the relationship. And, and so where that energy and focus is now going is into other things. Okay. It could be the kids, it could be work, it could be other areas of life, okay? Things start to break down, unfortunately, because where 
your focus goes, your energy flows, right? So there's not much innovation or marketing uh, in terms of trying to keep the, the other person happy. And uh, a lot of times there's a lot of certainty um, and just like predictability. Things just start to get a little boring, if you will. Okay, you kind of like know how your partner is. Um, and as a result, then each other don't really start, you don't continue striving, let's say, to, to do things in a new way. It's just is, it's kind of where you're at in the relationship. Um, and as a result, though, one of the, the first things that diminishes is that like physical attraction and passion, okay, for each other. It just, it just starts to dissipate. Um, and so, you know, this is where certain triggers can start to come up and, and there tends to be more reasoning for like, you know, this is just the way that things are going and you kind of fall, fall into the repetition and the routine of how life is. Like this is how, just there's like certain unsaid rules potentially those become more important than the spontaneity and the intimacy and the variety and the aliveness that you had in the the teenage fantasy or the the young love or even the devotion phase of a relationship okay and the the problem is if you don't start if you don't start noticing that's happening things are breaking down and you start you know <clears throat> reapplying yourself to get back into that area of devotion where there's more flexibility and mutual understanding of each other's values and beliefs and needs, then you start going into kind of the rapid breakdown. Okay. It's kind of like the, the aging phase of life of us as humans, but this also happens in relationships. Like I said, where there's little passion and very little innovation to, to meet your partner's needs. Right. So there's, there's literally no focus on how to be attractive the focus a lot of times then just becomes on blame. It's where you start living your life below the line. You start pointing fingers. You start making them out to be the reason why things are so bad, okay? <clears throat> and you're just getting triggered all the time, all the time by things that are pissing you off, right? And so you begin to evaluate whether you should even be together, okay? Um, and this is, I mean, I've experienced it myself. This is, this is you know, unfortunately, when you get to this point, this is where partners oftentimes go outside the relationship to meet their needs, whether it be through becoming a workaholic or, um, you know, you put all your friend, your focus on, um, friends or the kids or, or there's an affair, either physical or emotional with someone they know or coworker or whatnot. And so this is where distance and isolation tends to increase. And for me in past relationships, when I've been traveling a lot um, and leaving my my significant other emotionally deprived, like the, this was not a good area, right? This is where the, the rapid breakdown was happening. And, uh, you know, a lot of times this is where the, the criticism and the contempt um, come into play. Where, you just, whether, where each other or one person is super defensive or they're stonewalling where they just like completely shut down and there's no emotional connection whatsoever there. Okay. Um, and that's, that's the challenge towards the very end, the very last, well, it's not the very last, but the second to last phase of, of the life cycle of an intimate relationship. If you're not really focused on making sure that you're committed to making this being a, a like a devoted and exciting and passionate and loving relationship, 
then you're into that institutionalization uh, of misery and suffering, okay? And this is where the expectations for happiness um, within that relationship between two people are at an all-time low. Like literally, there's 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 a helplessness that shows up there that's just like, okay, well, you know, I guess this is how it is. And, you know, this is where people will oftentimes start to create plans of how they're going to get get out. Like they, they come up with their escape plans if they haven't already acted on them before. So conflict um, may remain there, but it, but it tends to be toned down because you're so like over it and you're, you've already decided that you're out in many different ways, even if you're still in the relationship that is kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like literally you're, you're roommates at best. Right. So the whole misery and suffering, they, they, they come up a lot of times when two people might stay together just for the sake of supporting the, the ship, (laughs) the, the vehicle, if you will, of the relationship, the relationship, the ship of the relationship, um, staying just together for that means or for the kids, right? Um, even though neither one of them are happy at all, right? They are totally unhappy, uh, potentially even completely miserable in their relationship. Um, and yeah, it's, it can just be really scary because even if they're planning their escape or, or <laughs> yeah, like they're either planning it and saying, you know, when the kids graduate, once they turn to 18, we're out, this is over, or they've just accepted that it's easier to remain unhappy and miserable in the in the relationship than it is to leave, and that's that's even scary. And I've and I've known way too many relationships and talked to way too many people where they're like, you know what? For whatever reason, maybe the certainty of the finances or the commingling of of a lifestyle or how life is is just easier to maintain the status quo than it is to actually have the courage to seek something greater. And unfortunately, it's not only them that pay the price. A lot of times it's their kids um, massively pay the price and they and they pay it forward in their own lives and they experience very similar things. So at that point, the only last phase that you have there is death or let's say divorce and the relationship is over. And so, you know, you can go from that to go back through them real quick. It's the moment of attraction and then flirting kicks in. Then it's that early dating or courtship then it turns into that kind of full-fledged dating and passion where it's kind of like a teenage fantasy, if you will, when things are just like, oh my gosh, this is like over the moon. This is amazing. But then that young love starts to kick in. And this is where it's just the first couple of steps of mature love when you actually start to commit and start really figuring out, are we are we in this for the long haul? And that's where the devotion is done. You know, that's like, okay, let's we're in this. We're devoting ourselves to each other. Maybe we get married. Maybe we don't. But either way, we're, we're committed to this for a long time, right? But if you don't do what is re- necessary to keep your relationship there, it starts to break down, right? Kind of a midlife, <laughs> you know, 40s and 50s. Like, if you're not really keeping up with your physical health, uh, this is where things start to break down. And same thing with a midlife evaluation of a relationship, Okay. Again, if you don't if you don't do all you can to bring it back to a place of devotion at that point, that's where it becomes rapid breakdown in aging, right? Um, and things start to get really, really bad to uh, essentially you're into just misery and suffering 
before the relationship is dead. So if, if you take anything from me and from this, this episode, I'd say, you know, it really is important that you focus on your partner's needs. You have tons of communication, conversation about how you're there to support them, how they're here to support you. It's not about being codependent. It's about living, you know, interdependently where you're stronger together than you are separately and you love to share things together, but you're also not going to take things for granted. You're going to put forth the effort to really keep things, like I said before, the the marketing uh, and the innovation is there to keep things exciting and spontaneous and sometimes you, you do have to kind of fake it a little bit. Even if you're not totally inspired, you have to put yourself out there saying, you know, I'm planning this day. I'm not super inspired. Go to a concert and lo and behold, you have an amazing time, right? And there you go, right? Or you go to seminars. You go to other programs to help keep the uh, the fire burning within, within, you know, the relationship between you two. So anyways, thank you again for listening as always. Looking forward to catching up with you on the next episode. And until then, have an amazing day. We'll talk soon. And I want to thank you so much for listening to The Johnny King Show. And hey, if you got something positive from this episode, please subscribe to the show, share it on your favorite social platform, and then tag me in it so I can say hi. It would also mean the world to me if you wrote a review of the show on Apple Podcasts because I read every single one. Do you feel like there's something I could be doing better? Awesome. I totally thrive on constructive feedback and it's always welcome. So if you've got questions or concerns, you can always reach me via email at podcast at johnnyking.com. And then please follow me on Instagram at johnnyking, facebook.com backslash johnnykingmenscoach on my YouTube channel and LinkedIn. Thanks again for joining me. I've been Johnny King. You've been amazing. And we'll catch up with you next time. Take care.